0: Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Thank
1: you, choir. Thank you. Praise ensemble, musicians. Thank you. Thank you, Leonard, for leading us this morning uh, in worship. If you've got your Bible, if you'll open up to the book of Jonah, the book of Jonah. Surprise, we are continuing. Uh, While you're turning there, Jonah, still chapter 1, still chapter 1. Let me say a couple just quick things. Thank you. Uh, To you as a congregation, Um, uh, when I was thinking about what Ronnie's update was to share with us, I wanted you also to know that uh, last week, which was our fifth Sunday offering, uh, to be honest, I felt like we kind of ill-prepared you for that, because there's been so much going on in the life of our church already in this new year, and uh, with the men's conference, which was fantastic, and Dr. Nealon Brown, who's just a tremendous friend. Uh, I didn't know if we had prepared you well enough for the fifth Sunday offering last week, Uh, but just so you know, uh, you gave as a church family uh, just shy of $8,000 last week. So praise the Lord for that. If you're uh, keeping track, praise God. Praise the Lord. Amen. $7,964 to be exact. So. Somebody wanted to drop in another thirty-six bucks. You could just make it an even eight thousand. If that's if that's your number that God laid on your heart, so uh, I'm excited to see what God continues to do in the life of our church. Uh, it is not a sprint; it is a lifelong marathon, and one step at a time, uh, we will get there. Not too long ago, I braved myself and visited the local Wally World. Maybe you call it Walmart. And uh, when I went in there, which I prayed before I went in because I knew some days, depending on the day and time of the week, you can be taking your life into your own hands when you go into that particular store. And I walked in and I was getting a few things. And it's remarkable when you go in there just to get a few items, somehow you get to the register. And when it's rung up, it somehow is still almost triple digits, which I almost had a Fred Sanford right there at the register. Um, but I'm standing there and the cashier who's at the register is not paying me much attention because she's doing this and she has a watch on her wrist and she is hitting the watch very hard. And I said, are you okay? And she said, my watch is not working. And I thought, well, if you've been hitting it like that repetitively, that could be why. And so she continued to hit this watch, and finally I said, you know, what's wrong with it? She said, well, I think the battery, you know, is maybe dead. And I'm thinking, okay, you're, you're in Walmart. Uh, I think you sell batteries for watches here. So I said to her, why don't you go back over by the cases by the area over there where they sell watches, and they might have a battery to fit your watch. And she leaned over the counter as if nobody could see or hear what she was saying, and she said to me, I would do that, but I hate Walmart stuff. (laughs) And I thought, okay, you have all the markings of somebody who's a Walmart person. You have on the wonderful blue vest. You have your name tag that says Walmart. Your vest says Walmart. You're behind the cash register at Walmart. Everything about you says Walmart, but you say to me you hate Walmart stuff, that something did not match there. It was almost like for those of us who grew up with the great show Sesame Street, three of these things belong together, one of these things is not the same, uh, was kind of going on there. And what I want to share with you today as we think about this story of of Jonah, as it continues, is we're going to see something kind of like that, kind of like the lady at Walmart who had all of the Walmart uh, attire but was not really a good representative of the Walmart brand because she herself says to me, a customer, I hate Walmart stuff. So we'll kind of see this as we go through these few verses today in Jonah. For the sake of context, let's just pick it up at verse 1 again, and then we'll probably stop this morning around verse 11. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amitai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord, and he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Let me just stop real quick, because I missed something. Uh, the very first week, we looked at the first chapter of Jonah, and it's some key words there. I think I, I don't think I mentioned this. Paid the fare. It's interesting, on this detour that Jonah is about to take, he paid the fare. And uh, church family, I just have been reminded this week, when you go your own way, you will pay the fare. When you go God's way, and I'm thinking about our dirt situation, God will pay the fare. It's going to be interesting to see how God provides another confirmation that we are following in his direction. Verse 4, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so the ship was about to break up. Dr. Nealon Brown shared these, these uh, verses with you. Verse 5, the sailors became afraid. The mariners, some translations say, every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, Laying down and falling sound asleep. Verse 6, so the captain approached him and said, how is it that you are sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. And each man said to his mate, come, let us cast lots so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. And they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, tell us now. On whose account has this calamity struck us? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And the men became extremely frightened and they said to him, How could you do this? For the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. So they said to him, What should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea was becoming increasingly calm stormy. Just a few observations to share with you this morning as we think about this character, Jonah, who was not just a, a fairy tale, a real historical figure, a real person that lived. You can read the story about him in Second Kings and find out more about this prophet of God who is running from the Lord. And the first thing that we see there in verse 6 is Jonah is confronted. He's actually sleeping on the boat. And Dr. Brown talked about this a little bit last week. He is sleeping. It's interesting that the person on the boat who actually knew the one true God was asleep. And yet all the others were freaking out about this raging storm that the Lord had sent. It causes us to maybe ask the question, hopefully, as I've asked the question, and you know by now I write down questions for myself as I read this, am I asleep? church, are we asleep? There is a world out there. There are storms that are raging. There are people that are looking, people that are hoping, people that are watching us to see who our true God is. And in a lot of places across America, those who confess Jesus are "Hmm," sleeping. They're sleeping. That's what Jonah was doing. And so the sailors, after they don't have any luck, as we talked about last week, Uh, with crying out to their own gods. They have no luck with throwing the cargo overboard. They go down into the ship and they find Jonah. And they discover that he is the source of the trouble. Matter of fact, the Bible says what they did was they cast lots. It's kind of like what we do at NFL football games. At the start of a game, we'll flip a coin so that we can determine which side gets to receive, which side gets to kick off, The ball, it's to render this impartial decision is what they had hoped. And so they all cast these lights to determine whose fault is it that this storm is here. And everybody winds up realizing, wow, it's Jonah. It's Jonah. So they confront Jonah. They go to Jonah to find out what in the world is going on, why this storm has come. It's interesting that none of these guys suspected themselves. None of them said, is it I, Lord? Lord. Their question was, is it somebody else? And after they determined it was not all of them and they determined it was Jonah, the lot fell on Jonah and Jonah was confronted. How did they confront Jonah? Well, the second thing I see here is they started asking a lot of questions. Jonah was questioned. And if you read the scripture there, it says that the way that they began to talk to him was they said to him, tell us now on whose account has this calamity Struck. They began to just ask questions. Mildly, they asked questions, and calmly, they asked questions. It reminds me, as uh, my dear wife would say, and she's not feeling good today, so pray for her. She would say to me many times in our 26 years of being married, now, wives, don't elbow your husbands, because I can see you from up here about what I'm about to say. I'm going to see some of you start doing this. She reminds me often, my tone and presentation may get a different response. Sometimes my tone in my presentation gets the wrong response. And it's interesting here the way that they just begin to ask Jonah some simple questions. Many an argument perhaps has been lost because of the tone of the presentation. It's interesting that these Mariners, these seamen who really don't have a relationship with the one true God, calmly begin to ask Jonah several questions. They have this compassion, so to speak, and they ask him, Please tell us, pray thee, what is going on here? What is the matter? Perhaps your God is, will be concerned about us, they say in verse 6, so that we will not perish. Tell us, on whose account has this calamity struck? Verse 8, and they start to ask several questions. Now, there's some interesting questions that they ask. And I would submit to you that the world is watching us, and they have a lot of questions. And so these guys, these sea mariners, begin to ask some questions. Here's the first one they say: "What is your occupation?" Now that's not really a good translation for what the original language is. It would be better to be say, "What is your calling? What is your calling? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? Let's start with the first one: What is your calling?" I have people ask me that from time to time. What is your calling? Calling is kind of a, a general term. I could tell you, well, my occupation is I'm one of the pastors at Crossroads Baptist Church. That is, one of my, that is my occupation. But I am not, and you are not, by the way, the sum total of your occupation. And what happens a lot of times in our world is we begin to take value or or gauge who we are based on what we do. And what happens is when what you do changes, then your self-worth changes. Because that's the way the world kind of, especially for guys, that's the way the world kind of tells us to, to operate. I remember before coming to Crossroads for about 15 years, part of what I did was every Saturday night, some of you know this, some of you who are new, maybe not, Uh, For 15 years, every Saturday night, I was at a radio station because I was part of producing a syndicated radio show for teenagers, a Christian radio show for teenagers. For 15 years, every single Saturday night, that's where I was. No date night. Every Saturday night, that's where I was. And I remember the last couple years of those 15 when we moved our studio to Nashville, Tennessee, and the great, wonderful recession of 2008 happened. Lynette and I, we had our house for sale in Spartanburg for two years. We thought we were moving to Nashville, Tennessee, and then all of a sudden the economy tanked. And the next thing I know, we're off the radio through some other series of events, and we're sitting there looking at each other going, now what? And I will confess to you, after 15 years of realizing, or or being, wow, I'm the Saturday night radio guy producer, all of a sudden, when you're not that, you start to go, well, God, what am I supposed to do? Who am I? You're not your occupation. If you're a child of God, that's who you are. That's who God's called us to be, is his son, is his daughter. That's who you are. You are called to be a child of God. I'm called to be a husband. I'm called to be a father. My, my big overarching calling, just so you know, is to equip people to share the gospel. Right now, the way God has me fleshing that out in my life is to be one of the pastors at Crossroads Baptist Church. But if that ever changes, that doesn't change what God has called me to do. Does that make sense? Because we've confused that in our world and we have equated calling with occupation. The occupation is really not a good translation here. And so the guys begin to ask him basically, what's God called you to do? What are you supposed to be doing? Are you doing what you're supposed to be doing? And the reason they ask that question is because we know on this side of history, Jonah was not doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was not fulfilling his calling. And I am still young compared to some of you in this room, much older than most of us in this room. But One thing I figured out, and I haven't got it all figured out, but one thing I figured out, if you do what God has called you to do, And what you are made to do, we might say. You're going to have the most joy you've ever had in your life. Because that's what God's made you to do and who God's called you to be. Some people have said it this way. I remember one of my mentors growing up told me, he said, find what you're called to do. And if it happens to be fleshed out in your vocation, you'll never work a day in your life. And folks, I will tell you, it's an extreme joy to be one of the pastors here. I don't feel like what I do is work. I know some of you worry about me getting overloaded. It I, I, hasn't happened yet, and I try to be cautious with my, with my time during the week and be smart, but it's not a job. It's not a J-O-B. It's a calling, and those are two extremely different things. Does that make sense this morning? Amen. Or owe oh, me, as Pastor Nealon would say to us this morning. So Jonah is being asked by these guys, what are you called to do? What are you supposed to be doing? But then they ask another couple of questions, Ooh, where are you from? That one hurts because I have to say from Roebuck, Hicktown, South Carolina. (laughs) Which is growing now. I mean, now it's a metropolis. When I was growing up there, there was one caution light and there was this restaurant. Some of you may remember it was a a, a spinoff of Hardee's called Prides. That they tried this new chain for small town America. A spinoff of Hardee's called Prides. You may not remember that. It lasted about a year. And then it morphed into a Hardee's. And it was the only restaurant right there at 221, 215, Roebuck, South Carolina, flashing light. Now it's four lanes through there. Dorman University is there. All this, you know, all this growth and stuff is happening. But when I was there, that was not what was there. And so they ask Jonah, where are you from? Because they think if we kind of know where he's from, we'll be able to make some assumptions about him. And just like for those of us who know where Roebuck is, when I say Roebuck, some of you laugh because you're going, oh, I I can make some assumptions about people from Roebuck because I know where that is. I know a little bit about Roebuck. And that's what these mariners are doing. They, They say, where are you from? What's your country? And then they ask this question. They say, aren't you from the Chaldeans? Maybe they were thinking, are you from the Arabians? Maybe they were wanting to know something about where Jonah was from. They wished to know what country he was from. Maybe if they knew what country he was from, then they would know the God of his country. And they might guess if they were going to be destroyed by this divine storm that was on the sea. Where are you from? What's your country? And the last question they asked, from what people are you? Let me just bring it home for you and I today. When you're out in the community, Greer, Piedmont, Simpsonville, Fountain Inn, Greenville, wherever you are. People get to know you. And they find out, oh, they go to Crossroads Baptist Church. It's kind of, that's kind of what the mariners are asking Jonah. Who are you connected to is really the question. What's your country? What people are you from? Who are your friends? Who are you connected to? Who are your buddies? Because you'll be known by the company you keep. Proverbs says it this way, bad company corrupts good morals. You'll be known by the company you keep. Crossroads family, when we're out in the community and people ask me, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? What church are you at? After I tell them what I do. And I say, Crossroads Baptist Church. We can either have a good reputation or a not so good reputation. I'll tell you right now, 99% of the time, it's positive. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. But it can easily turn negative. You and I know that. It can take a thousand things to create a positive impression and one negative thing, and all of a sudden, all that is toast. It's over. It's gone. And I want you to know, as a member, I'm not just one of the pastors here. I'm a member of this church. That's important to me. Who I hang out with and who I'm connected to, even if I wasn't a pastor here. Some of you know this. I was here for a year before I became one of the pastors here. I was connected to you a year before I became one of the pastors here. Why? Because I felt the Spirit of God in this place. That's the testimony, that's the reputation I want our community to have when they hear, where, where are you from, who are you connected to? Oh, really? what, what church is that? Crossroads Baptist Wow, I'm hearing some great things about that. So these sea, sea mariners begin to ask him a lot of questions. And as they ask questions, they find out something really quick. They find out the third thing that we see here, that Jonah's life is a contradiction. Because here this guy is, that they knew, Scripture tells us, they knew he was a prophet of God. Their gods that they cry out to don't solve the situation. So they go down into the ship and they tell Jonah, maybe you need to call out to your God and your God will save us. So they recognize who Jonah is. But then they find out, well, here he he is, this prophet of God. And the, lot has been, the lots have been cast and it's fallen on Jonah that it's, that it's his fault that there's this divine storm here. And yet he's saying he's a, he's a prophet of God. Why would God send a storm? They're trying to put the pieces of this together going, what in the world? Wait a minute. What's happening here? Jonah's life is a contradiction much like my lady friend at the Walmart. You know, I, I remember, believe it or not, making many mistakes as a middle school and high school student. And I could get all kinds of disciplinary things happen to me. You know, I could have my Atari 2600 unplugged from the wall and put up in the closet. Some of you look at me, you have no idea what this is. That was the original video game, I'm just telling you. Combat, bing, bing. Never mind, we're much more high-tech now. I could have that kind of discipline taken away. I wasn't quite old enough to drive. Obviously, in those early teen years, I could have different things taken away. I had a different reprimand happen. But the reprimand and the discipline that broke my heart, that my mom and dad finally figured out, was when they would discipline me for doing something wrong and they would tag it by saying this, You know, that's not what the Eason's that's not the way we Eason's behave and I would walk down the hall and I would try to shut the door before they would hear me and I would just break out weeping going wow now they have basically said you are tarnishing our image our family name, our reputation and Jonah's life was an absolute contradiction And they they ask him these series of questions and finally he answers and he says to them, verse 9, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Jonah knew the truth about God even though his claim that he feared the Lord was maybe only partly true because we see him running away from God. Maybe it's in this conversation where he finally realizes, uh, I should have done what God told me to do. We don't know. We'll discover that as we keep going through the book of Jonah. But Jonah says to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea that we're riding on right now, that we're crashing and we're waving, that's going up and down. God made this sea and he made the dry land. It's tragic that Jonah's life contradicted his words. And I wrote down, as you know by now, how about me? Because we can say things, but if our life doesn't match up with what we say, then we bring confusion to the world. We make people wonder, what, what, what is this? Do we really believe what we say? I saw an interview not too long ago. Maybe you know these guys, two pretty popular magicians, Penn and Teller. Uh, They used to have a TV show, and they did quite incredible magic tricks. And Penn has been in the spotlight for some time because he is a very devout atheist, and he will tell you that on his radio interviews and TV interviews. And a few years ago, he was interviewed, and the interview was asking him about wonderful people that he had run into over his career as a magician, and here's what he said. He said, one day this man came up to me after a comedy show and complimented me on the show. And, and then he said to me, hey, I, I brought this for you. And the man held up a small book. It was a New Testament with the psalm, something that could fit in my pocket. And the man told me, he said, I wrote in the front of it, uh, but I wanted you to have this. And the man explained he was a businessman. He was not crazy. And... Penn Gillette said he was so moved by the man's gesture. He said he was kind, he was nice, he was sane. He actually looked me in the eyes and he talked to me and then he gave me this Bible. And Penn goes on to say this, I've always said I don't respect people who don't share their faith. Now this is an atheist saying what I'm telling you. He says I don't respect people at all. If you really believe there's a heaven and a hell and people are going to hell or not, getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them this because it would be socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody not to share Jesus with them? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everything and every everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? If I believed, he said, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that a truck was coming at you, and you didn't believe it, and that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point that I would run out into the street and tackle you because life is more important than that. And that's an atheist who's watching believers and how we live. And unfortunately, apparently so far in his life, thankfully he saw this one, gentlemen that he thought was kind, that was a true example of Christ, I'm praying he will see many, many, many more so that one day he'll come to faith in Jesus. I'm praying for some of those people that you and I watch on TV or maybe we hear about on the radio and the news and we're thinking, wow, they are as lost as a Christmas goose. They'll never come to know Jesus. I'm praying for those people. I'm praying for those people that have huge platforms because if they ever truly come to know Jesus and they can use their platform to share Christ, wow, it would be huge impact on the world and you may feel like well i don't really have that platform do you not are your kids not that important your grandkids your nieces your nephews your church family the people that are maybe here one sunday and then they're not for six or seven and then they come back are they not important enough Church family, I would just submit to you they are. And Jonah had forgotten all about that. Why? Because his attention was on himself. And he fled away from what God wanted him to do. And through this conversation, maybe, I don't know. We'll find out as we continue in Jonah. Maybe he starts to realize, "Uh uh-oh, I made a wrong choice. Because now here I am on this boat. And you and I know what's getting ready to happen. He's getting ready to be thrown off the boat. And so he says, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. And then the man became extremely frightened. I'm not sure what that really means. Originally, they were just frightened. Now they're extremely frightened. I don't know how those are two necessarily different. It's like going to Walmart and you go in there and you have a headache and you can buy the aspirin with regular strength, or you can buy the aspirin with extra strength. I don't quite understand why you would have both of those. Maybe you want to take it and just leave a twinge of a headache just a little bit, you know. Why why do we do that with our products in America? we're, We're crazy people, we're crazy people. But they are extremely frightened, they're more frightened than they were before. Why? Because they discover, oh my goodness, this is a prophet of God down here, and if this storm that's coming hasn't killed us yet and now this prophet is telling us he's running from God his God is going to destroy us what in the world why would he get on this boat and put our lives in jeopardy there's probably all kinds of questions going we know that there's at least one that they ask in verse 10 they say how could you do this for the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord and God, in their view, was angry. Even the God that made the sea and the dry land, this tempest that we know from verse 4, God sent this tempest that come from His hand. And they have a reason to fear that it's going to go hard on them because this is God's wrath on Jonah's disobedience. God is angry. And they're probably thinking, if a prophet of the Lord is going to get this kind of judgment For one time running away from God, oh my goodness, what kind of judgment are we as the sea mariners who don't know God? What kind of judgment are we going to receive, those of us who have been so guilty of so many heinous offenses? Why have you done this? It's a logical question, actually, that they would ask. It's the most logical question in the world. It's a great question for an unbeliever to ask of a believer. Why have you done this? It goes back again to our Walmart friend hitting her, slapping her wrist. The world is watching to see if we're the real deal or if we are just counterfeit. If we're a phony, if we're a true reflection of of who God really is. So Jonah's life is a contradiction, but eventually the good news is Jonah confesses. The next thing we see is Jonah confesses and he says to these men, basically, it's because of me. This is my fault. So he says to them, pick me up, throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. For I know on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. And this is a great example of what we should do, what our response should be when we know we have disobeyed God, when we have walked away from God, when we've run from God. The things that God wants us to do is to confess to God. Now, sometimes we're going to discover there are Uh, unhappy consequences when we do things wrong. And Jonah is thrown over into the sea. And the men continue, verse 13, to row desperately to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was becoming even stormier against them. And they called on the Lord. It's interesting, after all this storm comes... And the seeming destruction that's about to happen, the conversation that they have with Jonah, and Jonah confesses who he is. I'm a Hebrew. I serve the God of the land and the sea. It's because of me. Throw me overboard. And then the men, the sea mariners, start to call out to that same God, the one true God, and they say in verse 14, We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not put innocent blood on us, for thou, O Lord, has done as thou hast pleased. They picked up Jonah, they threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. And the men feared the Lord greatly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows to the Lord. And we know at that moment is when the Lord appointed this great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah winds up in that fish for three days and three nights. So what's the, what's the message that the Lord is saying to us? Is there something in our life that is not a true reflection of the Lord, something that we need to confess, not to a group of people, but we need to start our confession with the Lord and say, Lord, whatever this is, whatever I've done that's not a true reflection of you, will you, will you forgive me? Maybe there's somebody that we need to go to. There are many people after my crazy uh, high school career, so to speak, that I had to go to and that I still occasionally, I don't see so many anymore because I'm old. But that I would see from time to time and have to say, I need to, I need to have a quick conversation with you and tell you what you saw in high school from somebody who said they were Jesus' father. I, 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 that was not a great picture, I apologize. I don't know how the Lord's speaking to you this morning. But I know that the world out there needs to see a true picture of Jesus, Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you that Jonah did confess. And because of his testimony and because of you, when he got thrown into the water and the sea calmed down, people knew, wow, he does serve the one true God. People knew who the one true God was. And Lord, I know in our world... There are a lot of what I would call counterfeit Jesuses, plastic Jesuses. Lord, my prayer is for people that encounter these friends in this room, when people encounter me in the neighborhood, in the workplace, out in the community, when they encounter me, they would go, you know what? Huh. <sighs> He serves the one true God. There's something different. He serves the one true God. I pray, Lord, that our church would have that kind of reputation. And our church will only have that reputation if each of us in the church have that kind of reputation. So would you help us? Would you help us, Lord, to be a true reflection of you? As you're praying this morning, maybe you'd say, you know what? There's a place in my life where I'm not measuring up, and you just need to confess that to the Lord. The great news is He'll, He'll forgive you today. He'll cleanse you. He'll help you walk that straight path that He's called you to. Maybe today God's dealing with something on the inside, trying to help you discern just what it is He's made you to do or who He's made you to be. And the first thing He's made you and I to be is sons and daughters of the Most High God. And when we know that, everything else, wow, everything else is just bonus. Do you know that that's who you are? Do you know that's God, who God's called you to be? The king of the world gave his life so that you could have that kind of relationship to become a son or daughter of his. And today, if you find yourself here and you'd say, Pastor Jack, I don't, I don't even, who am I? Where am I from? Wow, I, I don't even know. A great starting point is just to say, you know what, I surrender my life to Christ. If you need to do that today, I'll be down here at the front. We're about to sing a closing song, a song of invitation, where we just will invite you to do business with the Lord. You can do it right there in your seat. God's led you to make some decision or surrender some area of your life. Maybe today you need to come to know Jesus and you just say, I just need somebody to pray with me. I'm happy to do that this morning. Whatever God's laid on your heart to do, I pray that you would just uh, obey him today. And Lord, I pray that you would have your way during this time of invitation. We love you and we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? Joey's going to lead us in our closing song this morning. If you need to come down front and pray, if you want to kneel at the altar, if you want to bring a friend, whatever God lays on your heart to do this morning, just uh, be obedient to him this morning.
0: We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.